Drink your coffee, get jacked up. It's time for the Block Talk. Essentially, the Block Talk as a podcast will be a collaborative effort between myself and the best people in the business here in Little Rock to bring up-to-date market and industry information in a fun, exciting way. Hey, where's my money? This week on the Block Talk, we introduce you to Jake Airy from Eagle Bank. We're going to hear all about how you get that residential mortgage you need once you come in contact with your realtor. So, hi, Jake. Welcome to our show. Please introduce yourself and tell us a little about how you got in the business. Yo, yo. Jake Airy at Eagle <laughs> Bank. Uh, I'm a mortgage loan officer and vice president. Um, How'd you get in? So right out of school, I went to work for Bank of Oklahoma as a bond broker, which was a uh, interesting career. I did that for about three years before the bond broker, like get him out of jail, bond broker. Or like, no, what like does that mean? stocks and bonds. Oh, okay. So the bond market is heavily correlated with mortgage interest rates, and um, that made a, a nice transition into mortgage. So I decided I wanted to get out of the bond industry and get into mortgage um, due to some experience and. Um, some background in the real estate market. Uh, so I entered into mortgage in the fall of 2013. So you're hitting your five year mark. Happy anniversary. Thank you, I appreciate that, yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, sounds like a long career for someone as young as you because you're a young guy, but you seem to have a lot of knowledge. You mentioned that you had some background in the real estate market as far as knowledge goes. Where does that come from? I think a lot of it comes from my family. So my mom is a, a licensed realtor in the Sling County area and has shout been for Shout out, years. shout out. <laughs> and my dad um, manages quite a few rental properties. So um, growing up, instead of listening to um, Disney radio, I was in the back seat listening to my parents talk about escrow and ingress, egress, and um, closing, closing deals. That is fairly advantageous for you. So now you can look back on all of that experience and help people when you're dealing with selling them, well, I guess lending them the money for their, um, for their property. So on the block talk, what we try to do is add value to our listeners. And I know banks like to add money as opposed to value, but if you could impart a piece of valuable information to someone who was planning to buy a new home and they hadn't yet dealt with a real estate agent, what's the most valuable piece of information you could get them not knowing who they're working with on the other side? Sure, I think it all comes down to being educated, right? So I think that making sound decisions at every step of the process is um, is the first place to start. So a lot of times, whether you've spoken with a realtor or not, um, you need to go ahead and get with a bank so that you can confirm that what you want to do is what you can do and that all the numbers are gonna match up with what are in your head. Which Would you say that people are pretty fairly, do they kind of know where they stand when they come in or do you oftentimes surprise them with like, denied, you're not getting a loan <laughs> or are they just kind of expecting that when they walk in? Yeah, I think um, you get a little bit of both, right? So you get some people that have bought and sold five or six houses and they understand the process and what uh, what we require and what, uh, what we can do and those clients are a lot of time more in tune with what they're able to accomplish. Um, sometimes people that have not bought a home before, um, does, they don't quite understand what all goes into a home loan and what <laughs> we have to look at and that your income uh, has to cover the payments that you already have plus the new house payment. There's something called ability to repay. So we have to confirm that you sounds can a little necessity. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a little bit of a necessity. So yeah. that makes sense. Well then, so describe the relationship then between realtors and lenders because you're kind of a counselor, right, for your first time home buyers and these people who are inexperienced. You're the one to say, hey, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they hopefully have an educated realtor on the other end kind of helping them do what they need to do. So the relationship that comes up between the realtor and the lender obviously has to be one of complete communication, right? Or how does that relationship have to function to benefit your client? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, communication and trust, I think, are two big, big factors with having a good relationship between a lender and a realtor. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as lenders and realtors, we often end up counseling each other. So we work with the clients together and um, sometimes um, the realtor might have questions for me or I might have questions for her. Um, or, no or one plays the blame game, right? I right, mean. <laughs> right. Sometimes that happens occasionally. Yes. Um, so I think that trust and communication are super, super important. And those are the um, foundational items for a good relationship between a bank and a real estate firm. So as a lender who has a good relationship with multiple real estate agents, would you ever entertain being a real estate agent? Or did you grow up learning that you do not want to do real estate? What is the deciding factor that made you say, I want to be a mortgage lender? Hmm. That's a pretty good question. Um, when I transitioned out of selling bonds, I uh, was very close to going to work for State Farm, first of all, and secondly... Hey, it's Jake from State Farm. <laughs> could have been it. Um, so I almost went to work for State Farm, and then I almost went to work with my mom, Betsy, at Crylike in Benton. Um, over time, I realized that if I went onto the lending side that I could leverage those relationships that, uh, that I already knew about instead of competing against them. So on the bank side, I get to call on those realtors and leverage those relationships into referrals and into clients and relationships instead of competing against those realtors that I've grown up with and known for years. Well, and the nice part is since they all grew up with you, they kind of want to, oh, look, Jake's all grown up. Let's send him some loans. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a little bit of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they trust you. Like you said, that's integral to the process. So that's great that you have such a vast background of people to, to reach out to. So what about when the homeowner gets, this is one of my things. I'm, I'm a newer agent. As you know, I've only spent six months on this side of it. And as I kind of move through, I find that first time home buyers really don't have any idea what affects their credit close to the end of closing. So I've had home buyers go and buy a washer and dryer for that new house and it's destroyed their loan. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can avoid the deal falling apart at the closing table. Sure. Uh, any good lender should tell you at the beginning of the process to not change anything financially. So it's important to remember that at application, we take a financial snapshot of your situation. So we look at your income, your employment, your debt payments, and your debt profile. Uh, so when you go out and you open up new debt, that can change two things. The first thing that it could change would be your credit score. In particular, if you open up a, an installment loan, which would be an auto loan, that will drastically lower your credit score. Sometimes we see 30 to 50 points wow. just on opening up an auto loan. Uh, in addition to that, um, it can affect your debt to income. So if, if you're only spending $300 a month on a car right now, and then you trade that in for a car that's 500 a month, um, that could impede your ability to qualify for the home um, because we have such tight uh, restrictions in regard to debt to income. We have to verify those things. And uh, in a case where a borrower is barely qualifying for a property, um, any adjustment in debt payments, whether it's $20 or $200 or $2,000, that can make a very big difference. Okay, so small or large incremental changes to your financial life can detriment your transaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we go over the disclosure package, uh, when, when we begin a loan process, it's one of the first things I always mention to borrowers to to not change anything. Don't quit your job. Don't go buy a new car. Don't go shop for a new car. Don't go to Home Depot and open up a credit card to save 10% on a $1,000 washer and dryer. <laughs> um, you can do those things the day after closing. Um, you can go do whatever you want, but up until closing, it's imperative that you um, stay fiscally responsible and that you follow the lead of your mortgage professional. 
Okay, well, you mentioned, you said tight restrictions, and I immediately pulled that um, out of your statement because I was reminded of all the changes that are going to be taking place with the Dodd-Frank mm -hmm. that I know we've been reading about. It sounds like a lot of those tight restrictions are about to get a little bit looser. Is that the same feeling that you get, and do you know much about that? How can we expect our market and our industry to change with the loosening of these regulations? Are we preparing for another 08? That's a great question. I actually read an article on that last night. Um, a lot of the new guidelines that are going to change have to do with uh, with the size of the bank. So recently um, it was published that uh, with the Dodd-Frank Act there are a lot of tight restrictions on banks that are um, 50 billion dollars or more and they recently decided they were going to raise that up to I believe 400 billion uh, which is a very very big bank. So that what they're looking to do is open up some uh, restrictions on some of the mid-major banks um, that would not include the largest uh, five or ten banks in the world. So I think there are pros and cons with that. We have to keep an eye on it. Um, uh, with looser restrictions, oftentimes comes greed, and that's what got us into the debacle that we were in in 2008 and 2009. In relation to home loans and this market in particular, um, the article that I read last night mentioned that one proposed change was that any house less than $400,000 would not require an appraisal. Yikes! How does that is, make you feel? It's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Yes. Um, Eagle Bank has a really. We, we had an appraiser on last week on the podcast that talked a lot about his relationship with Eagle Bank. In fact, we had some quotes from you guys, from you particularly, about Mr. Bertram and his ability to see value in our market, mm -hmm. very specifically mm -hmm. to each property. And right. so you have had that relationship be valuable to you because you're able to know that your bank is not lending on an asset. That is not worth Absolutely. what you're lending. That so mm -hmm. the appraisal relationship is very important to you, right? Of course. So that does kind of mm -hmm. terrify. That makes me a little terrified too. Just well, yeah, and it's scary for our clients, right? right? Um, if you're buying a house that's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house and you don't have to have an appraisal, um, how do we know that that house is really worth one hundred and fifty, not one hundred and thirty, and that you're not immediately upside down in it? Ugh. So it's scary for the bank and that we're lending potentially blind, lending right? too much money on a property, um, but it's in particular more scary. Um, for borrowers. Right, because so, they um, don't know if they're purchasing an asset that will be worth what they've paid for it. Right, so I think that um, if that change occurs, we're going to see uh, one of two things happen. I think that um, you're going to see a lot of banks that still require appraisals. I, in particular, would love to see um, local lenders in, in Arkansas still require appraisals. It's three or four hundred bucks. It's very much worth it. It's probably the most important part of closing costs. Probably the cheapest little slice of peace of mind you can buy, right? Right, right. If you won't pay $40,000 for a $20,000 car, then why would you pay $20,000 over value for a home? Hunter, I totally agree with that. That's so great. So, and that kind of brings me to the to the next thing I was going to ask you about, which is that Eagle Bank sort of stands out in our market. It's something that I feel like they do a great job, that their loans are great, and I've seen them kind of grow just in the 10 years I've been in Arkansas. Yeah. I've watched these, the bank really grow. And so I know a part of that is your amazing partnership with so many iReality agents. That's I know right. we've, we've got a lot of agents that work with Eagle Bank lenders, but one of the things that really makes you guys stand out as well is your appraiser list, as we mentioned, is pretty comprehensive, right? I mean, you kind of have the best mm -hmm. of the best and you guys put them through a little bit of a vetting process to make sure you have the right ones, correct? Absolutely. So with uh, with current guidelines, um, we are uh, restricted from doing appraisals on our own, which means that we have to make those appraisals available to our list of service providers. Uh, what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will allow, as well as Dodd-Frank and CFPB, they will allow us to control our list of appraisers within reason. So uh, one thing that we can do is vet our appraisers 
uh, vigorously from the beginning to make sure that we're working with the best licensed appraisers in the state and working with, with appraisers that um, don't mind explaining things to realtors or to clients and that they always have the client and, um, and their own best interests at heart. Um, we, we have to make sure that we do things the right way so that we protect everybody involved, uh, which is what concerns me with the, um, the rolling back of Dodd-Frank. If they do away with appraisals, we're going to see banks sticking with that and lending without appraisals. And then we're going to see banks that require appraisals still, and which I believe is the right way to do it. Right. Um, so that's, uh, it's pretty scary, and I'm curious to see how that, how that turns out. I'm curious as well, just because I feel like that's going to make an appraisal really more of a commodity than it already is, because you're in a situation now where a lot of agents, I feel like, tell me, or they'll, they'll talk about, and I know Rick talked about it last week, they'll get that call of, he killed my deal, or da, 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 and that's mm-hmm. really not what their intention is. Their intention is to make sure, and actually the first requirement anyways to get an appraisal license is to promote and maintain public trust. Right. So to protect if you, us. Yeah, all. if you take that out, we're mm-hmm. not protected. So right. I totally agree with your standpoint on that. I hope, I'm sure that Eagle Bank and Arvest and many of the other banks, Bank of England, that we work with here in Arkansas, I'm sure will hopefully stick with the ordering appraisals. So speaking of all these different lenders and all this name dropping I'm doing by accident, um, lender shopping. So tell mm-hmm. me about how this goes. I know for me as a real estate agent, I'll have a, a person come to me and say, hey, Jamie, I need um, I need a mortgage lender. Well, I legally can't say, call my friend Jake. He's great at it. Right. I have to say, I have this list of qualified people that I trust give them all a call and sure, see which one fits sure. Here best. Here are three. Right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. lender shopping. Tell us about the bait and switch. Tell us about all the different things that come up when you're dealing with shopping and you're a buyer. Sure, sure, that's a great question. Um, so something that, that happens every week, somebody calls on the phone and says, uh, hey, my name's Jim, what's your best interest rate today? Mm-hmm. And that is such a loaded question because there are so many variables that go into that question. Uh, you have, so you're telling me a rate is not simply a rate. That's right. Anybody oh. that gives you a rate from you just asking the question, what's your best rate? Um, they're doing things, in my opinion, the wrong way. Um, there are so many questions to answer before um, you hear an interest rate on the phone. There's um, the location, the loan program, credit score, loan amount, down payment, which would lead to LTV or loan to value. Um, there are a lot of things that go into pricing and interest rates. So. Um, right now, between government loans and conventional loans, we see about half a point spread. So, depending on what program you're going into, um, one interest rate may or may not apply at all. So, um, so if you can't qualify for an FHA loan, then why would you even give me a rate over the phone of 4.5 if I can't qualify for the loan that goes along with that right. 4.5 interest rate? That's right. Okay. And something else um, to keep in mind is if if you call on the phone and ask for for the best interest rate, and they go through those questions and, and they they give you a rate quote for a particular loan program and a loan situation, um, a lot of times these lenders on the phone are going to give you a bought down rate. So they're going to price that interest rate below market. So if you call today and they say we're at 3.5% interest rate and you think that's great, but what they don't tell you is they're charging you $5,000 in points or origination to buy that rate down. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we try to do and what I would advise any borrower to do uh, would be to get three interest rate options on more than one loan program. So we want to get two loan programs quoted and we want three interest rates for each program. So that would be a total of six options, right? Wow. So any lender that can't accomplish that, you should call someone else, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, depending on how long you're going to be in the property, if you're going to be in the property for three years or five, Well, that brings up, are they principal residents? Is it an investment? I mean, I guess that brings up a whole other plethora. So that's a really good point. How can I shop for a rate when I don't even know what my product is? Right, right. 
So there's a, there's always a, a cost-benefit analysis, um, a pro and con list that we want to look at with um, what's the interest rate and what are the fees associated with that rate. So it's very important to remember that interest rates and closing costs have an inverse relationship. So the higher the interest rate, the lower the closing cost. The lower the closing cost, uh, or the, the higher <laughs> the higher the interest rate, the lower the closing cost. The lower the rate, the higher the closing cost. So if someone comes in and says um, we're at 3.5% with $5,000 in fees, um, or we're at 3.75% with no fees, then we want to look at that. And in some cases, it's worth it to buy down the interest rate if you're going to be in the property for 15, 20, 30 years. If you're going to be in the house for five to seven, in most cases, it's best to take the par rate or the base rate, um, or maybe one notch below, versus buying it down by, by multiple points. So it takes a long time to break even on that. You're so intelligent and I'm so, I'm so, un, I'm just not very well versed in mortgage. And so it's just incredible to hear all this information because I really could use it for my clients. <laughs> so I'm really glad you're here. Well, that's the good thing about working with lenders, right? You don't have to know everything about yes. mortgage. I don't have to know everything about real estate. That's I'm why we work together. I'm specifically naive on this because this way I cannot mislead my clients. Typically right. they'll say, uh, Jamie, this is, how, call your lender. Mm -hmm. call your lender and so do you think that that's appropriate for realtors anyways because I'm a very you know that about me I, I'll send you a client and I'll say Jake see at closing here's right? a name and a phone number yes, right? yes. yeah I think that in way? most cases preferable um, in, in some cases we have um, realtors that uh, can guide clients with specific loan questions and can be relatively accurate um, but I would always advise that um, that we leave mortgage questions up to mortgage professionals and conversely that we leave real estate questions up to real estate professionals um, because uh, there are a lot of nuances with everything that we do. There are a lot of fine print and a lot of, of detailed questions that need to be answered and one question being missed can absolutely kill a deal. Yeah. Um, can keep someone from getting into a home or keep that seller from being able to sell their home. So um, I would recommend that each industry keep uh, you know, their own questions answered in-house. You stay on your block, I'll stay out that's of mine. Right, that's okay. right, that's right. I'm Jamie from the block, we're staying on my side. So um, what's up with rates then? Speaking of all these rates and rate shopping, I noticed that the rates are going up. I have a couple people that are building that didn't lock their rate in quite yet, and I received a couple phone calls this week saying, hey, I, I finally went and locked my rate in. It is so much higher than when I initially started building. Um, what's going on? W what's your answer to that? Sure, that's a great question. You know, I think right now the macroeconomic trend is that interest rates are going to be going up. And we've seen that since the beginning of the year. Um, if we look back uh, to the election in 2016, uh, the day after Trump was elected, interest rates went up by 0.375% overnight. And they never came back down. Um, since then, rates have begun to tick up. Um, in particular, in January and February, we saw a pretty good rate hike. And a lot of that leads back to some economic news that came out uh, where inflation is on the rise and uh, the Federal Reserve uh, has made the decision to begin to hike Fed funds rate and the Fed fund rate is the rate at which banks borrow money from each other or borrow money from the Fed. So that's a very short term rate and as those rates begin to go up, so will the long term rates. So everything um, is, is correlated with the Fed funds rate as well as the bond market and those those bond interest rates. Um, so as the the bond market and as the Fed fund rates go up, uh, short term and long term mortgage rates will begin to go up with it. Uh, right now we're about half a point higher or 0.5% higher than we were 60 days ago, uh, which can make a, 
a pretty good impact on your borrowing power. Can it keep rising, do you think? Do you think it's going to keep going up? We think they will. Um, we're going to be in this trading range um, for probably the next six to nine months. So I expect for us to level off right now and to stay in this rate environment through the end of the year. Um, I, I believe that mortgage rates will be probably in the 5% handle next year, but I think it will be next year before we see that. Okay. So on that topic, um, search for lenders who offer extended interest rate locks. Uh, I know that's something that we do have. There are pros and cons with it. Um, and there are a couple of other banks that offer that, but in particular when dealing with new construction properties, um, sometimes you're at an interest rate risk more so than borrowers with a 30-day closing. Well, because so, they have to wait 90, 120. If it rains, you'd have right. no idea what you're dealing mm -hmm. with time-wise. Absolutely. So they can get strung out a little bit more than others. So I would advise that they look for an extended rate lock. So you seem to have so much information about this, and I'm just blown away by your level of intelligence. It's just amazing. I feel like we're the same age. I should be a lot smarter. Um, do you serve on other boards? Do you have other positions outside of being a mortgage lender that we might be interested to hear about? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, recently, I was appointed by, by the governor to be on uh, the Residential Contractors Committee. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Big time. That's right. Uh, so uh, very blessed to be on that, and I'm looking forward to serving the next three years for that. Um, that uh, board will approve and deny residential builders as well as contractors in the state. So we've had three meetings so far this session and they're all really interesting and I'm looking forward to serving on it. That is fantastic and really great to hear. So knowing that you know kind of who the builders are around here too, you know about building, you know about lending, you know quite a bit about real estate. So as somebody who has so many different skill sets, if we were just out on the air in the middle of nowhere and you had an opportunity to impart one piece of information to our listeners that you feel is integral to them to take a real estate journey that will end in their goals being met what is the one thing that you can tell them is it the realtor the lender the house the location what is it that somebody really needs to focus on to start this journey in the right direction i think it's all of it um, but more importantly i think that it is understanding the process being educated knowing what you're doing and um, doing it because it's something that you want. So um, I've been doing mortgage loans for uh, almost five years now and I've only owned my home for a year and a half. So that means that for about three years I was doing home loans and I and I'd never had a home loan before. And that's because I wasn't ready to buy a house yet. Um, so um, don't run out and buy a house just because you're ready to. Don't um, work with somebody because- You made a very well-educated decision. We tried. You didn't put an yeah. offer on it till he mm -hmm. was ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So just be educated with what you do. Shop around, speak with more than one person. Listen I would say, to the Block Talk podcast, get some education. That's right, get your education. Um, just be educated. And um, if you're uncomfortable with it, then take a step back. Uh, speak with more than one person in each industry. Interview more than one lender. Speak with, um, speak with more than one of us. Uh, I think that any good lender should be comfortable with uh, their product and their service enough to uh, to allow you to go shop or to welcome you to go shop. We like a little friendly competition around here. Anyways, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I like, if you guys want to see something really entertaining, watch John Kerr and Jake Airy go in a bilingual match. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Shout out to John Kerr. Hey, hey. So, um, I've had some really, I've just learned so much from you today and I'm so thankful for you being on our podcast. I do ask every guest, guest the same question. It's really important to me. I'm going to create this amazing playlist by the time we're done. Um, I need to get up, get jacked up in the morning and go out and sell houses. When you need to do that and you're not feeling it, what's mm -hmm. your jam? That's a tough one. Um, if you're familiar with an, an artist named Corey Smith, there is a song called Flip Flop from Corey Smith and it always gets me in a great mood. 
the song is literally talking about him being a flip-flop um, instead of being any other type of shoe. And I, what I think what he's talking about is um, the versatility to being a flip-flop and um, how it doesn't always match or meet um, all of the standard um, requirements or the uniform um, the uniform rules. So uh, when you're a flip-flop, you, you learn to adjust and to kind of roll with the punches and to do your own thing. And that song really speaks to me about that. Well, I love that. And you can bet I'll be downloading it on my playlist here in just a minute. So thank you so much for joining us on the Block Talk this weekend. We so appreciate you. We were going to put some links on our blog, which will come out on Friday. We'll have links to the list of items that you need to apply for a loan through Eagle Bank, as well as a link to Jake's website. Also, we'll have the list of the Dodd-Frank restrictions and a couple articles about how those are possibly going to be rolled back. If you guys need to get in touch with Jake, you can reach out to him on Facebook or you can get in touch with him through Eagle Bank's Facebook and give us a shout if anybody's interested in being on the Block Talk next week. Thanks. We're out.